This is Manor Recordings. This is uh, Module 13. Uh, tonight it's 13.2, The Certainty of His Presence. Father, we just bow our heads in your, in your presence right now because when we gather, you gather with us. And I pray in the stillness of this night hour, as we open your word together, that you, Holy Spirit, will cause faith to arise in our hearts as we hear your word. That we'll know, that we know, that we know, that we know, that you dwell within us. And that you are the ever-present God. Lord, thank you. Enable me to share tonight the things that you've shared with me in days gone by, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We start tonight in the first epistle of John, chapter 4. That's not the gospel of John, it's the little epistle, there's three of them. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And you rejoice in your daily reading when it turns up at one of these because they're short. And you're glad because you're in a hurry. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. The one who is what? In you is greater than the one who is in the world. In the previous verse, it was talking about the spirit of Antichrist. And it's talking about the, 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 the spirit of the age. It's talking about demonic spirit. And, and it, you know, it's interesting that it's called the spirit of Antichrist. It doesn't say this spirit is not anti-Jesus. You say, what's the difference? Why did, why? You know, the Bible doesn't miss words. Uh, you know, the spirit of Jesus. See, a lot of people think Jesus is okay. They don't really believe that he's the son of God, but they're not anti-Jesus. But what they are anti is the anti, they're anti-Christ, because Christ means the anointed one of God. The one who carries the presence, this manifest presence of God, the son of the living God, manifesting God in the flesh. They are against that. Jesus is a man is okay. But Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the anointed son of God. Boy, that spirit is against that. Um, the, the, the spirits that are around are not even anti you because you believe in Jesus. But if you get anointed of the Holy Spirit, then you are an enemy of hell. Because you are going to be used to make a difference in other people's lives. If you just, I mean, it's, it's great to just trust in Jesus. That, that, that's, that's good and that's how to get born again. But many born again Christians are ineffective in the world in which they live. But if you begin to get anointed of the Spirit of God, you get baptized in water, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are, you, you are heading out 
You are going to make a difference. You are going to be a nuisance to the powers of darkness, you see. And so the spirit of Antichrist says, I'm against this anointing. I'm against this manifest presence of God. And, and, and so just so greater is he who is in us, yes, than he who is in the world. Galatians 2 and verse 20. Galatians 2 and verse 20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, we have identified with Christ on the cross. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. As then it says, I do not set aside the grace of God. We'll talk about that next week. So, uh, here it is. Christ lives in me. That's the key. That's the great truth. This Christ, this anointed one of the Holy Spirit, he lives in our lives. Yes? And so this, and the life I now, I live by faith. I live by faith in him. I, I believe this. That's all it's saying. I believe this. That Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. All right? Revelation 3.20. What does that say? Someone quote it for me, please. Off by heart. Here we go. <laughs> Behold, the old King James Version, I stand at the door and knock and... Okay. So... Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. Here I am. Stand at, this version says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. And he with me. In other words, he will fellowship. He will abide with us. He will live his life within us. So this is Jesus talking. And he knocks on the door of our hearts. And the great painting by, is it Holman? Holman Hunt. Has any hands up? Those who have seen that painting? Jesus stand knocking at the door. Remember. And, and you look at that painting, and there's Jesus is standing and he's knocking at this, this, this old wooden door. And uh, the one thing you notice about it, if you look closely, is there's no handle on the door. There's only a handle on the inside. He can't open the door of your life until you. Invite him in. And so there comes the time, doesn't there, when we say, Lord Jesus. I, I remember as clearly as on the 31st of August when I was eight. This is what happened to me. I, I really sent and had been sensitive for several weeks that I really needed to open my life to him. I'd heard it in Sunday school. I'd heard it. You, you, and I, and I, thought I, I need to do this. And so one Sunday night when the preacher was preaching after he finished, I put up my hand and I, he, I led me in a prayer and I invited him to come into my life. Imagine saying, Lord Jesus, I'm opening the door of my life. Please come and live within my life. Forgive me, cleanse me and save me. Yeah. And he says to me, don't be stupid. That's not what I meant. I'm not going to come inside your life. 
It's just, we just, it's just to get you interested. You see, when we read something in the Bible, it's either is or it isn't. But I has the simple faith at eight years of age that if I would open my life to him, his spirit, the spirit of Jesus would come into my life and begin to live his life through me. Did he, st- did he stand there and say, don't, no, that's not it. Don't be stupid. No, something happened in my life that day. And I am I, I'm a simple believer. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He comes. So Jesus says, I'm coming. In John 14, when Jesus is talking about this, in verse 23, he says this. Jesus replied, If anybody loves me, he will obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So what's this? This is the f- Jesus saying, if you will invite me in, the Father and me will come and abide with you. You say, what? Yes. The God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will come and the Spirit of Jesus Christ will come. They are God. And they will come and take up residence in our life. Yes? That's what it says. That's what Jesus said. Okay? So let's go to 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. There's a lot of good verses in the Bible, chapter 3 and verse 16. What does it say here? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? So here we are saying, the Bible is saying that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, will also come and take up residence in our lives. Yes? So now from these three scriptures we have God coming in his fullness. Father, Son and Holy Spirit by his Spirit coming and taking up residence in my life. So, what else do I need? Nothing. If we've received by faith, when you open your heart to the Lord and you received God and he came into your life and the Holy Spirit came, and the Spirit of Christ came, and the Spirit of God the Father came and took up residence in the 301 and take up residence in my life, what sort of life would I expect to have? Pretty good, I would imagine. And when I start, when I hear people singing, there's a few songs like this, Lord, I want more. I want more. And I'm saying, how much more do you need? You're not going to get any more. Now I know we want more of the anointing. 
This, this, it's not more. It's a matter of releasing what we've already got. Let me take you some more scriptures. See, we, we, we misunderstand. Colossians 2. You say, wait a minute. You're blowing my mind. Good. It needs blowing. Colossians 2. Verse 9 and 10, look at this, Paul is writing about this. See, the, the great thing about Paul, Paul just, this was an amazing revelation to him. He was just, what? If this is true, then whoa, I'll never be the same. Verse 9, for in Christ, all the fullness, this is verse 9, Colossians 2 verse 9, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Here, take it for a minute. Here's a, in Jesus, the fullness of the deity. What's the deity? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In him, the fullness of the deity dwelt in Christ. Yes? Hallelujah. All right. And you have been given fullness in Christ. Who is the head over every power and authority? So what does this mean? This means that in Jesus, Jesus was God. And so the fullness of the deity dwelt. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And he walked this earth. And you and me have been given this fullness in Christ. In other words, when we receive Christ, we receive the lot. Mm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. John 1, 16 says in the authorized version, of his fullness have we all received and grace upon grace. When you receive Jesus, you imagine, you say, well, Lord, I, I go receive the Lord. And the Lord looks down, oh, oh it's Ian. Okay, oh, well, hey, wait a minute. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe just a little bit. Maybe just, let's start with 5%. <laughs> now, 5% of God is still a good deal. 20% of God is a, is a good deal. But that's not what happens. That That's... Not the deal. The deal is when you receive Christ into your life, you receive God. You receive the Spirit of the Lord. And next week we're going to expand on this. Um, what, 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 it, what, what the Holy Spirit does and is as part of that next teaching on, on, on the sufficiency of His presence. And, and so... It, she said, oh, no, well, oh, well, oh, oh no, that's Sylvia. Maybe 25%. <laughs> oh, it's Nigel. 80! 80%. <laughs> no, it's, it's not like, of his fullness have two or three of us received. Is that what it says? What does it say? All. All. When you receive Christ, we receive Him. His presence comes and begins 
to abide and to live in our lives. Hallelujah. Colossians 2, where did I get to? Verse 9. That was only verse 9. Oh, no. Verse 10. Yeah. You've been full in Christ. Yes. In other words, we are complete. Another verse that we are complete in Colossians 2 and 10. Yeah. Now, this Colossians 1.27 is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's go there. Colossians chapter 1. Or we're just here. Just the back of the page. Here we go. See, Paul is saying this. He says this mystery. He's talking about the mystery. I think Paul in his books talks about uh, is it six, five mysteries or seven mysteries. And this is one of them. And he's talking about this mystery. Um, the mystery, verse 26, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. In other words, he says, I'm talking about a mystery that the Old Testament people didn't get, didn't understand, didn't participate in, couldn't, because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross and the Holy Spirit hadn't been given. See? So he says, this mystery has been held all this time. Verse 27, to them... God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that is, people who aren't Jews, this glorious riches of this mystery. What is this mystery? What are the glorious mysteries that has been kept down the ages but has now been revealed? You say, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was with them. In the New Testament, he is in us. Hallelujah, it is a different dynamic altogether. Religion is trying to reach up to God and attain to, to, to some sort of righteous standard. Christianity says, no, even if you reach up, you'll never make it. I am reaching down to you. And he sent Jesus down. Hallelujah. And Jesus died on the cross and he says, now, if you open your heart to me, I will live within you. I will come and live within you and be God within you. Hallelujah. Christ in you. What does it say? The hope of glory. This is the great mystery. This is the great thing that was hidden for centuries. And now when Jesus goes to the cross and the Holy Spirit is outpoured, this becomes a reality. This is it. Christ in you. Hallelujah. Christ the hope of glory. The Living Bible translates, you've heard me say this before, Christ in you, your only hope of glory. Yeah. So you think, when you think about it, it's, that's, that's true. And so this is, a, this is the gospel. The power to change our lives is found in the fact that he lives in our lives. And it's a matter of appropriating and having the faith to let him have his way. Yes. The fifth one in this series is going to be called the release of his presence. You see, you're not, you know, boy, the early church started like this. When Paul preached on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had been outpoured. When, in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter begins to preach and the people were convicted and they said, what should we do? We've crucified the Christ. <laughs> What do we do? He said, he said this. He said, it's very clear. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. Three steps. 
that get us started in the Christian life. Unfortunately, in the church, sometimes there is years between these three experiences. But in the early church, they started whack. This is how it happens. This is how you get going. And Jesus said to the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Don't try it in your own strength. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I'm starting to preach. <laughs> you know, Pentecost Sunday is coming up and I'm preaching on be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Hallelujah. So here we go, but I'm starting to preach it now. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Vessels. Our lives are receptacles to be filled with God. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Wow. What does it say? But we have what? This treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What's the treasure? His name is Jesus. We have this treasure. We are just earthen vessels. We are just pots. All different shapes and sizes for all different tasks. But the value of my life is not found in my good looks. Leslie, that's very unkind. <laughs> to burst out laughing at that point is not appropriate. <laughs> yeah, you held it back. All right, good girl. <laughs> the value of my life is Christ within me. He makes the difference. If I can just keep out of the way long enough so that other people can find him within me, they will be impressed with the difference he makes. When you meet someone, you meet their spirit. And our spirit is born again of the spirit of God. There must be something of Christ that shows up somewhere in our attitude and our way of life and just who we are that he is there. And if we will just get out of the way and surrender sufficient, it's not a matter of getting more of him, it's a matter of yielding more to him. It is futile to be running around asking God for more when he's given us the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, he's there, hallelujah. By faith we trust he's there. Blessed be God. So what's the problem? The problem is us. The problem is we're not yielded to him. The problem is we're not thinking about him. We're so much thinking about ourselves, we don't think about what he can do. And so we puddle along the best we know how, and he's saying, let me, let me, let me. <laughs> All right, more of that later. Temples, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Know you not, First Corinthians 3.16, that your body is a temple. What's a temple? A place where God dwells. God said to Moses, build a sanctuary or build a temple for me that I may dwell among you. That scripture in Ezekiel 43 that I read, the presence and the glory of God comes to the temple and he fills the temple. 
Hallelujah. When God comes to you, he wants to fill your life. Now, when you're saved, he joins with your spirit and your spirit and the spirit of God become one. You are born of the spirit of God. But you are not filled with the spirit of God. The baptism in the Holy Spirit means that you yield your life to him. Hallelujah. And he begins to invade your soul, your emotion. He begins to invade your being. He begins to invade and fill your life until it overflows. Out of your innermost being, Jesus said, shall flow rivers of living water. And often the first expression of that outflow is the gift of tongues, which releases because there is a surrender of all that is in my head that, that defies and argues with the Spirit of God because I know best, because I've been here for 75 years or nearly. So of course I know best. But until we surrender and say, Lord, you are perfect in every way. Boy, I could have prophesied when that song was being sung on Sunday morning. Anointing on because when we, 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 we go along, we, we, can't, we have to come to a conclusion that his way is perfect. Mm. 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 And we argue with that. Oh, no, it's not. I've been around a while. Don't you tell me what to do. And, and so these arguments go on in our body, soul, and spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. What, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they, they will be my people. See, when the Holy Spirit comes in the manifest glory, you imagine the manifest glory of God. I've read about revivals. I've been in meetings where the manifest presence where Jesus has been there and anything can happen. People will get healed. People will get freed. God will minister his grace in his life in, in remarkable ways. And, and, but, you know, and he says, You're, you, you, me, we are temples. Hallelujah. That's where I want to live. That's where I want to dwell. He's there with us. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. How are we going? Oh, got to 8 o'clock. Do you, you want to move around for a minute? Nearly at the bottom of this page. We have a, we'll go and have a, a drink in a minute. Ephesians chapter Is the jug on? <laughs> What does it say here? Is that what I'm looking for? 19. Ephesians 2, 19. Consequently, so there's a thing that's gone before this when you read the word consequently and it talks about Christ being reconciled to Christ and so on. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Yes? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, this temple, is being built. It's joined together and rises 
to become a holy temple in the Lord. He's talking about a spiritual building. The church is likened here to a temple. And in him, you too are being built together. For what reason? To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God wants to live among us. He wants to live in you are a temple of the Holy. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The church, Excite Church, as one little local church, is a temple. When we come together, we are all living stones. We are being built together. Hallelujah. Why? Why, why, why? So that he may dwell among us. He may live among us. In that scripture in Ezekiel 43, when the glory of God comes, he says, I'm coming because I'm going to, this is my footstool. This is where I'm going to live. You see, sometimes I hear people praying for God, for a visitation from heaven. And that's good. A visitation is good. But I want God to stay a while. Not just visit. He says, I want to, you know, we want habitation where he comes and stays among his people. And that's what we're about. The whole purpose of your life is to become a receptacle, a vessel for the indwelling presence of the living God. The whole purpose of church is that it might he might be there. If he's not there, then you've only got a club. Yeah? You've got nothing. We're no different from any other social organization in town. But if he comes, then we have a difference. And so on that note, we need a coffee. Let's stop for a few minutes and then we'll have the last page. Okay, top of page two, it says, The certainty of his presence within enables us to function confidently. Philippians 4 and verse 13, let's read it together. I can do everything God asks me to with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and the power. All the ones they've been through foundations, they all know this one. You've drummed it into them. Yes. <laughs> but it's a great scripture, isn't it? Yes. And, and we have to talk, our spirits have to talk to our soul and say, wait a minute, soul, you can do everything that Christ asks you to. Oh, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. Oh, no, I couldn't do that, no, I couldn't do that, I couldn't do that. Oh, don't ask me to do that, don't ask me to do that. But God asks us, and he just keeps coming until... We move. <laughs> and to, because he wants to bring us into fullness. Yes. And so he says, you, you know, he, he challenges us with different things. He, he opens doors for us. He says, just walk through the door. Oh, I don't know whether I can walk through the door. I've got 42 good reasons why I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but, but we have to say, Saul, wait a minute. Saul, you can do all things through Christ. He lives within you who strengthens you. And that is a stance of faith. That is a stance that says, Jesus is in me. He's asking me to follow him with this step. Yes, him and I, we can do it. And have a go. Have a go. Trust him. 
Next verse, Colossians 1.29, says this. Let's read it together. This is my work, and I can do it only because Christ's mighty energy is at work within me. The energy of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord. Um, again, one of the great things about being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, is the energy, the Spirit of God is the dunamis. You shall receive power or dunamis or divine energy when the Spirit of God comes upon you, Acts 1.8. And here, Paul is saying, God's asked me to do this. I've been shipwrecked five times. I've been beaten with rods. I've been jailed. I've been had no food. I've been this, that, and the other. And he comes back, and because Philippians was the last book that he wrote, oh no, this one's Colossians, it was an earlier one. And he says, he says, I can do this. I can do this. I can do it. This is my work. And I can do it because Christ's mighty energy is at work within me. And I faced different opportunities at different times, and I thought, man, I've had to talk to my, I had to talk to my soul. Soul, you can do this. This is what God's asking you to do. You can do it. Yeah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I can do everything he asks me to. With the help of his strength. Now, the old verse, the old authorized verse says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, you really, that's not a particularly good translation in the sense that you can't do everything, but you can do the things that he asks you to do. Remember, some of you heard me use the illustration of um, a guy, an evangelist I knew, and he, he was, he'd been preaching all week. And he was all fired up, full of faith and, and, and baloney. And, and he, 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 he's come back from the meeting. He's had a great meeting. He's having a coffee. And he's sitting there in his motel. And his mate's there with him. And he looks out and he sees the swimming pool. He says, I'm so full of faith, he says, I could walk on water. And with that, he gets out of his seat, opens the ranch slider, steps out on the pool. And when he got to the bottom... <laughs> He said, Lord, why? <laughs> and as clear, he said, he's told me, he said, as clear in his mind came this. I never asked you to. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And therein lies the difference between faith and presumption. Yeah. <laughs> the verse says, I can do everything Christ asks me to. If he asks you to do it, it's in the will of God. You, you read something in the scripture, you say, yes, I need to get there. I need to get saved. I need to get baptized in water. I need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. These are steps. We need to go through those things and, and get there. Hallelujah. And, and he lives, you can. And we need to speak to us. God may call you to do something you are totally inadequate to do. And in smaller letters, I put, what a wonderful opportunity to prove God's ability. <laughs> Exclamation mark. He does. That's how we grow. That's how we accomplish things. Because we try things that we haven't tried before. In the natural thing, that's true. And in the spiritual, it's true. And we have to have a go at some of these things. And so, so God, God calls you. God opens doors of opportunity. He says, come on, walk through this. Do this for me. You know, and we all get all nervous and we butterflies in the stomach. 
and, and, and all this sort of thing. And, and you, I learned about butterflies in the stomach. I've, I've learned about this because I used to have them. I don't have them so much. When I'm in my area of passion, when God's asking me to do something, I used to get nervous before I was being asked to speak. I don't get nervous anymore. And I learned this. God said to me, why, why, are, you, why are you worried? Why are you nervous? G'day, John. G'day, mate. Just sneak out. Don't squeak the door, will you? <laughs> the light's still on. The light's still on in there. It's all right there? Okay, mate. Bless you. Thank you for your next useless place. John heads up our young people's work in, on Sunday mornings in there. John and Linda doing a great job. And they run Impact in here. This is a, this is a, a place where um, those kids that have dropped out of school come in and get have another go. Mm. And the church backs this and, and we're part of this. And so that's what John does and his team. And they do a great job of looking after some kids that have dropped out of school and... and so this is another opportunity for them. Um, so yeah, butterflies. And, and, and why, and I remember, I was thinking, oh man, been asked to speak. for my, me, it's speaking, doing speaking stuff, yeah, most often. So I'm asked to speak and uh, maybe it's been a big conference or something like that and I think, oh man, there's a thousand pastors coming to this and I'm from New Zealand and I've got to get up and share something that's useful. And so I'm nervous. And I remember I was praying about this one day and said, why are you nervous? Well, I might make a mess of this. I might be made to look an idiot. And the Holy Spirit in my mind said, so? Mm -hmm. yeah. And the truth of the matter is, and, and, and you know, God tests our motives sometimes. I, I was more worried about how I would look than how he would look. And instead of focusing on delivering the message that God had given to me that would bless his people and, and, and transform some of them. Yes, I'm worried about myself. Look at it, idiot. So I got butterflies, I'm nervous. Well, if I'm worried about myself, I need to be nervous. So I've had to learn to focus on what he asks me to do and I've got to deliver this thing. Hallelujah. I'm trying tonight to get across to you that Christ lives in your life and I've got to deliver it. Hallelujah. And I've got to get it into your spirit. I've got to, you know, sometimes there was that advert they used to, for, for toothpaste or something or toothbrush and you used to open the heads, the, flat, the old flap tops. Yeah. That's what I feel sometimes when I'm preaching. I'd like to get your heads and lift them off and shove this into you. <laughs> you should go to the other toothpaste ad, the one that they snap the chalk and say, it does get in. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well Maybe, you see, that's it. That's Stupid Um, so yeah, so, so, so you, when you've, when you, we've got to forget about ourselves. A lot of our anxiety is ourselves. We're so filled, we're so focused on ourselves and what, how people are going to see me. I, I'm, I've been asked to sing. Oh, what if I miss a few notes? Well, you're going to look an idiot. 
I've discovered God doesn't matter. He doesn't mind me looking at an idiot as long as he looks good. As long as he comes across. So sometimes he allows us to go flat in our faces, yeah? He says, well, that, then you pray better. He says, that's better. But whatever. But we can do. So, so we're called to do something. See, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The Living Bible says that, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Let's read it together. Here we go. This precious treasure, this light and power that now shines within us is held in a perishable container that is in our weak bodies. Everyone can see that the glorious power within must be from God and is not our own. The beautiful thing about when God steps in and starts to heal people, starts to do things, is that, you know, if nobody else knows, you know that it's him. Because you can't. But he can. And the treasure of our lives and the value of our lives is the treasure within his name is Jesus. It's all about him. And somehow in our humanity, we have to get past ourselves to minister the life of Christ. And as some people don't like us, some people don't think you think you're stupid. Well, hallelujah, we probably are. So what's new? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> were you asleep, were you? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 you know, um, but, but see, God will ask you to do things that you, you can't do. That's the opportunity to show that it's him and not us. And he stretches us and we walk by faith and we begin to learn how to walk by faith and people see that God is working, hallelujah, through us. When we... Who say, uh, when weak people win great victories against great odds, mm. other people glorify God and you know it was him mm. and not you. Yep. 1 Corinthians 1.30. All right. See, he is adequate. He is all that you're going to need. Verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, if you need wisdom, he is our wisdom. You need righteousness, he is our righteousness. You need holiness, he is our holiness. It is not a matter of us gritting our teeth and we just need to let Jesus be Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Paul talks about being clothed. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's there. He's within us. Yeah, he's there. And we need to let him have his way in our lives. Colossians 1, 25 and 27. The mystery is this, Christ in you. The hope of glory. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work within you, both to will and to do of his good. Who's at work within us? Christ is within us. Hallelujah. He, he is the, he is, he's the one. He can do it. What did they say? You shall call, Matthew 1.23, you shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. 
When Jesus was born, this was written across his life. Emmanuel, God with us. And he is in you. He's with us. He's in us. There's the certainty of his presence is something we need to know. Imagine if I was to play tennis. I'm going out to play tennis on Saturday, say. And there's a good player going out to play, say I'm going out to play Pastor Paul. And um, so before I go out, I happen to know and I happen to be, have the ability to get the spirit of Roger Federer into my life. <laughs> so before I go, I... <coughs> make the deal and make the transaction and the spirit of Roger Federer comes into my life. So, two o'clock on Saturday afternoon I go out onto the tennis court. How you going, Paul? You all right? Yeah, mate. You probably beat me, do you think? Probably, he says. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, well, that's good. So we have a bit of a rally, and I'm just playing. Yeah, cool. yeah. I win the, the rally, and so it's me to serve. So I say, righto, Roger, here we go. <coughs> so I throw the ball up. Boom! <laughs> ball goes back and picks it up. Because <laughs> he never saw it. <laughs> Fifteen love. Yeah. <laughs> you ready? He sees it this time, but never gets near it. <laughs> 30 loved. And off I go. I'm up 5 nil. He says, I didn't think you could play like this. Oh, no. I don't often play like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I take him to the cleaners. But as I'm going along in the game... I think, man, I'm playing well. I've got a bit of strut on, yeah. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Man, Jesus. Didn't think you could. Never mind. You ready? <laughs> Boom! Down I take him down. And I'm starting to feel good. So he's, he returns a couple. Yeah. And I'm playing. And I think to myself, I go, Roger, I can handle this. Leave this one to me. Oh. Boom! Into the net. Then <laughs> yeah. again. Leave this one to me, mate. It's all right, Rog. I can do it. Paul wins. That's it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Try to play without Rog. No need, Roger. That you and I are possessed by the champion of life. And his spirit is within us. He knows how to live this life. He knows who you are. He knows how you work. He knows how you function. He has a great attitude. He knows he is the champion of life. And he lives in me. And we say, yeah, leave it to me, Jesus. 
I can do this. Yeah. I don't even bother to talk to I, you. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. I don't even bother. To, I don't even bother to pray and ask him to help me. I just my arrogance as I strut through life. After all, I've been around a few years, learned a few things. And he stands aside and says, oh no, here he goes again. <laughs> and he leaves us to it. Because prayer invites his presence. And without that invitation, he has no obligation to interfere in our lives. By his grace, he sometimes does. It gets us out of a few scrapes. But the simple prayer... If Jesus come with me. I remember numerous occasions, but just one, where I get a phone call and I'm asked to go to hospital and I'm facing the young mum and dad who have waited for years to have a baby. And this little baby lasts for about three, between three and four months and then dies. I get this phone call. Hey, little baby's gone. What? Jump in the car. Go to the hospital. And as I go, I've got no idea how to handle this. <laughs> and I just say, Jesus, don't you leave me now. You're coming with me. You're coming with me. Because I don't know what to say here. I've never faced this before. This was the first time this had happened to me. Mm. And I said, what am I going to do? You've got to come with you. You are, you are. You're coming. You're coming with me. <laughs> and so I went to the hospital, came in, and just as I walked in the hospital door, this young mum is taking her little baby and handing it to the nurse to take away. Mm. And him and her, they just break in a thousand pieces. Mm. And I turn up at the door. Mm. What am I going to do? Mm. What am I going to say? If he's not with us, we do stupid things. I found, to my amazement, of course, I just cried with them, just put my arms around them and held them for I don't know how long. We just cried together. And then we sat. And what did I say? Nothing. We just sat, and I sat with them. Now, you've got to know that for me to say nothing is moving in the miraculous. <laughs> but at such a time, sometimes we just talk, but it's nonsense. It's of no use whatsoever. And I just said, and after an hour or more, they said, I'm ready to go. I said, okay, I'll come and see you again later. And walked out, never said a thing. Some months later, I was round visiting them, and they said, you know, what you did for us on that day was the most beautiful thing that could have ever happened, mm. that you just came, you cried with us, mm. and you sat with us. Mm. Yeah, mm. I was there. See, Jesus is like that. 
He just comes and he's there. Now, if I hadn't had his presence with me, I probably could have said all sorts of stupid things that would not have been helpful at all. And just to talk, because I didn't know what to do. So that's his presence with us. That's the presence of God that transforms our environment and he walks into the room with us. Yes? That's Christianity. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the certainty that of his presence. Lord, you're with us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you. Lord, so often we strut through life. We strut across the stage of life and leave you waiting in the wings, longing to be brought into the game, but never really asked. And so we live at a minimum instead of a maximum. And all the time you're waiting to help us, to give us words of wisdom, to help us to say the right thing, to go to the right place at the right time, to do the right thing for the right person. And all the time we're just walking through life and leaving you, Lord Jesus, the champion of life. Silent, dormant, uninvited. Lord, I pray that we will determine to be more focused on you rather than just on ourselves. <coughs> ask you and invite you and be conscious of your presence within us more and more and so that we can learn to walk with you and to work with you not just for you all the time, so that people's lives might be beautifully helped. Oh, Spirit of the living God, fill us right now with a sense of your greatness, your perfectness, your love, your embrace, your warmth, the fact, Lord, that you want to be with us is an amazing thing, but you do. You care about us. Not only that, Lord, you care about all those that we come in contact with. Help us to let you make a difference to them. Lord, help us to practice your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.